This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. I want to uh, start off by briefly uh, recapping the last study we had, which was a a study about precious gifts that come from God. And, and we noticed in this study that uh, a certain knowledge that comes from God also is a, a source of these wonderful gifts, these wonderful blessings. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Two things that I suppose every Christian desires is grace and peace. Uh, two, two of the most wonderful blessings you can receive. The Bible here says that those things come from knowledge of our God and of our Lord, Jesus Christ. So that's something we should certainly want to seek. Verse uh, 3 of Second Peter 1 says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So through this knowledge of, of God and of Jesus, we'll be, have access to everything that we need spiritually. Everything that we need to live a, a Christian life, to live a godly life, to live a spiritual life, will be provided if we have the proper knowledge of God and of Jesus. We went on then to notice in, as Peter closed this epistle in the third chapter, in 18th verse, he closed it with this admonition. He said, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to, whom, to him be glory both now and forever. So, Peter admonishes us to grow in grace and in knowledge. And this brings up to me several questions, or about three questions anyway, that we could ask. And you might think that when you see admonition like this, the answer to these questions will be going forward, but this is the end of the epistle. So we actually have to go back to find the answer to these questions. First question you might ask is, what does it mean to grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? What does that mean? What does that entail exactly? You might ask, how can we be sure that we are growing in this knowledge? That's a question I've asked myself many times. Am I growing in the proper knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And finally, why do you think Peter thought it necessary to teach these things so strongly? I mean, knowledge and the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ is, is completely through this epistle, the second book of Peter. Why do you think Peter thought it was that necessary to mention that over and over again? And I think we can find the answers to those questions in about chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. I think the, the answers are in there. And that's what I want to look at pretty closely this morning. First thing I want to consider is what's involved in growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What does that entail? I suppose everyone thinks that we should grow in knowledge 
of the Bible. Uh, but how, how deeply do we hold that belief? How, how concerned are we with learning what is necessary to grow in knowledge of Jesus? First of all, it involves the development of eight, we, we call them graces, I call them characteristics, eight Christian characteristics. And these are things that we, probably almost everyone in here this morning could quote these, these verses. Verse 5 through 7, these graces are listed. The Bible says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity. Eight Christian characteristics. And there are a lot of Christian characteristics, but if you added them all up, you, I suppose you could apply them to any one of these eight categories. These are things that the Bible says, Peter says here, that we're supposed to grow in. We're supposed to increase in. And just to briefly go through these eight characteristics, I think we should refer to them as spiritual characteristics. Just to briefly go through them, the first is faith. Faith is defined as a conviction in and a strong assurance of the truth that comes from God. Pretty simple definition. Did you know that you never have too much faith? Never can. It's not possible to have too much faith. You have too little faith. Jesus repeatedly explained to his apostles and other disciples that they didn't have enough faith. But you can never have too much. Virtue. Very simply, moral excellence or goodness. The one that we're going to pay particular attention to this morning, knowledge, is defined in, by Thayer as a general intelligence, understanding the general knowledge of Christian religion. Strong's adds to this and says it's the act of knowing, the implication of knowing, or the implication of knowledge, the science of knowledge. So here in this particular verse, Knowledge is more of a broad, general, overlapping theme. And I, I, we'll notice some differences to, to the other knowledge that Peter mentions many times in this epistle here in a few moments. But, but for this purpose right now, this knowledge is a broad, general, overlapping intelligence, understanding of Christian religion, knowing the implication of knowledge. And I like the the use of science of knowledge. That's just kind of a general term to use uh, as far as knowledge. Next is temperance. Temperance is simply, very simply, very basically defined as self-control or self-discipline. And I want to, I don't want to get too far off base here, but I want to stop, pause, and, and talk about temperance just a little bit because I think when we define it as self-control, self-discipline, that's just a bare minimum. And I think by looking a little deeper, we can understand how we can grow. Maybe temperance is the best example of how we can grow 
throughout our life, all of our life. Just a, a simple spiritual characteristic that we can always grow in. If we can always grow in temperance, we can always grow in the rest of these as well. So let's talk about temperance for just a minute. Self-control, self-discipline, that, that's an accurate definition, but I don't think it goes deep enough for the word temperance. For instance, and you could apply this to temperance to almost anything that you deal with, any particular vice or bad habit or, or thing you come across, you can apply it temperance to. Let's say I've got an anger problem. And I know I've got an anger problem. And I have to deal with that. But old Chance comes up to me and says, you know, you're just bald, fat, and ugly. Well, I've got an anger problem, so I just turn around and whack him. No self-control. No temperance. Well, say I don't turn around and whack him. Well, I'm exercising self-control, right? But that's still not temperance. Temperance dictates that not only do I not control myself and not strike him, Temperance makes sure that that anger is suppressed. It doesn't even make me mad anymore. That's temperance. The anger is put aside. Not only is it not acted on, it's not thought about. So you see how we can grow in temperance? If we can grow in temperance, we can grow in all these others as well. Patience, steadfastness, constancy, endurance, bearing up under trials. I know I need more patience, always. Godliness, godly character brought about by devotion to God. That's godliness. Brotherly kindness, a loving, caring preference toward brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, in order to have brotherly kindness... There's no people that we should prefer to be around more than brothers and sisters in Christ. They ought to be the people we seek out. They ought to be the people that we want to be around all the time. Brotherly kindness. And finally, charity, which is agape love. Affection, goodwill, benevolence, a love that desires only the highest good for another. That's the charity. That's the love talked about here in 2 Peter 1. Now we've just covered verses 5 through 7. Very brief, short period of time. But I want you to notice carefully verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the goal. Anybody in here want to be barren and unfruitful? and the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. I bet there's nobody that wants to be barren and unfruitful in that knowledge. That's the goal. That's how we want to be. That's where we want the, the thing we want to attain. In order to do that, the Bible says that you have to abound. This word abound actually means to superabound. It means... To develop Christ-like attributes. The more we grow in these 
spiritual characteristics, these Christian characteristics, the more we really know Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. He is the perfection of these characteristics. The fact that it involves more than intellectual knowledge is also evident from the Greek word used for, for knowledge in uh, verses 2 and 3 and 8 here in 2 Peter 1. And I told you we'd get back to the differences. Grace and peace be multiplied through you through the knowledge of our God and of our Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, according as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And verse 8, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should be, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now I'll show you the difference between this knowledge and the previous knowledge stated there in uh, verses five, 5 through 7. Thayer says this is epignosis, to become thoroughly acquainted with, to know thoroughly, to know accurately, to know well. And Strong's adds to this, and I like it a lot, recognition that is full discernment, full acknowledgement. Not only, not only do you have the knowledge, the science of knowledge, the intellectual understanding you have the acknowledgement that this is the truth. This is necessary. You know, I, know, I knew a man, or used to hear a man on the radio station several years ago. Excuse me. He was a lawyer, very intelligent man, very intelligent man. He had a, had a block on the radio station for about two hours every day. And he used to listen to him. And he claimed that he had read the Bible seven or eight times, cover to cover. I don't know anybody else that's done that, really. He claimed to have done that. Now, his show, his radio program, was not about the Bible. In fact, he had about the most crude language you could ever use on the radio and get away with it. And he, he himself claimed that his language was even worse when he was off the radio station. Not only that, when callers would call in to ask him a question, he was a very rude person. No patience whatsoever. But he claimed that he had read the Bible seven, eight times. There was an intellectual knowledge there. But was he applying it? Did he have full acknowledgement of it? You see the difference? We're supposed to have full acknowledgement of the knowledge that we gain from the Bible. <clears throat> and when we, when we demonstrate these spiritual characteristics in our lives, when people can look at us and without us even saying anything, they can say, there's a guy who got faith. There's a guy who got, he's got virtue. He's got knowledge. He's got temperance. He's got patience. He's got brotherly kindness. He's got charity. They can look, tell by looking at us. Then we become Christ-like. Then we begin to have the knowledge that God desires for us to have. Secondly, it involves developing these graces in conjunction with each other. 
Notice the word add. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and so on. The word add is inferred in between each one of these. You're supposed to, supposed to have faith and then you add to that virtue and to virtue knowledge. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand and think that you have to add them in that exact order that's written in Scripture. The point here, the idea here, is that they compound on top of each other as a group. They, they uh, cause a desired effect. The, the Greek word here for the word add is full supply to minister, to nourish, nourishment unto, to help grow. It helps grow. Something that nourishes something helps it to grow, causes it to grow. The word add here suggests the idea that each of these characteristics works in harmony to help each other, to cause us to grow uh, in each category and to produce an overall effect. Each characteristic is necessary. You don't get to pick and choose which ones you want, which ones you want to leave out. They've all got to be developed in conjunction with each other. Thirdly, it involves effort. The Bible says here in, in verse 5 that it involves diligent effort. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Verse 10 says, Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, what things? These things we just listed. If you do these things, you shall never fall. Uh, diligence here means earnestness, zeal. I find this interesting, with haste. Why do you suppose that would be in there? Maybe because it's critical. Maybe because it needs to happen now rather than later. Maybe because you can't ever start early enough adding these Christian, these spiritual uh, graces kind of an emergency you know let's get with it let's get after it if you'll notice sometimes I I understand something from the Spanish and some a lot of times I don't most times I don't if you'll notice in the fifth verse the word is diligencia we understand what that is in the tenth verse it uses a different phrase I thought that was very interesting the phrase means the more salt the Spanish phrase there means the more salt. Like it's a more, a more critical form of the word. Like it's a, a, a more necessary form of the word. Word, diligent, more salt. Seek it more. <clears throat> to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ requires effort. I think that's the biggest mistake we make a lot of times. We think... We'll come to church, sit through a couple of services every week. That knowledge will just soak into us and, and we'll, we'll have everything we need. And that's just not true. It takes effort. It takes a desire to grow these Christian graces. We don't accidentally bump into it. We don't naturally develop it. You know, we may have been Christians for a number of years, 
But unless we continue to grow in these Christian characteristics, unless we continue to increase, you might say it's like being in school and failing a, a year of school. You just start over again. You're in the same place. And that's what not adding these, not increasing these Christian characteristics is. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says, For when, when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You think it takes effort? Let me ask you another question. Is it worth the effort? Is it worth all the work it's going to take to increase in these things? In the context of the passage, Peter gives three reasons why we should give all diligence. Three reasons. First of all, he says, or why should we be growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Peter says a failure, a failure to grow in the knowledge results in spiritual blindness. 2 Peter 2 verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Can you think of anything worse than being noted as being spiritually blind? You can't see. You can't see the truth. You don't acknowledge the truth. It's like it's not there. Peter says if, we don't, if we're not diligent, then we become blind. He also says that we have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. He says it caused blindness and it causes memory loss. You can't see the truth and you don't remember that you were saved from your sins. Now how's that for, for a problem? How's that for a, a, something to look forward to if you're not diligent to add these Christian graces, these Christian characteristics? Our spirituality is short-sighted. I tell you, it may be the most short-sighted thing there is. Because when you're not growing in Christian characteristics, you're diminishing. You're decreasing. You're never standing still. What's the ultimate objective of being a Christian? What, what should we all desire? What's, what's the main thing that we should want to take away from spirituality? The answer to that is to become like Christ. If we become like Christ, then we are growing. We are increasing. We're becoming more like him. Romans 8 verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to conform to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Who did he foreknow? Who did, God, who did God foreknow? Everybody. He knew you before the beginning. He knew you before you were born. He knew you when you were still in the womb. He knew you when he was going to create you. He knew everybody. Who did he predestine to become 
like his son, Jesus Christ. Everybody. Everybody has that opportunity. Everybody is capable of doing that if they apply themselves. And that's the desire to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's it in a nutshell. Colossians 3, verses 9 through 11. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all in all. Be renewed in the image of Jesus. That's what it really means to grow in knowledge of our Lord. That's what it means. To become more like him. To look like him, figuratively speaking. When people look at you and look at your life, they see a person that's patterned after Christ. And failure to grow in this way is an indication that we forgot. We forgot that we were purged from our old sin. And we're blind to what we can become. Yes, our sins have been forgiven. But we've forgotten that we dedicated ourselves to present ourselves to God, a living sacrifice. Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed. Now listen, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you don't grow in knowledge of Jesus Christ, then you've forgotten that you were purged from your own sins. You've forgotten that you were to be transformed. You've forgotten that you should be proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And also like his son, Peter says, you'll never fall. You'll never stumble. 2 Peter 1 and verse 10. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. Now, this does not mean that we'll never sin. 1 John 1 and 8 tells us that sin will always be with us. We'll always have to battle it. It'll always be around us. It'll always be a thorn in our, in our side. But Peter said, if you add these graces, if you add these characteristics, and you increase in these characteristics, you won't fall. You won't stumble. Now, the word there means to fall into misery, to become wretched. That's pretty well an accurate state of mind. Thayer adds that it's a loss of salvation. He says that's what falling means. Revelations 3 and 17 says, Because thou sayest I am rich, rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And you know the people that are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked are the ones that don't know it. They don't know it. That's what blindness is. You can't see it. Peter says... That if you grow and increase in Christian graces, you don't have to be wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You don't have to be that way. 
And then finally he says that there's an entrance into the everlasting kingdom that will be supplied abundantly. 2 Peter 1 verse 11, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How's that for a goal for you? To enter into that everlasting kingdom, you've got to become more Christ-like. Peter says if you increase in these graces, if you increase in these characteristics, then you can have that everlasting kingdom. And I think that's the, the heavenly kingdom that Paul talked about in 2 Timothy 4 and 18. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me into his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. In other words, the ultimate destiny that all true Christians want to attain, that home in heaven. That's the heavenly kingdom. But I want to back up for just a moment. Because there's something that I found very interesting about this. Back up to 2 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 11. He says, For an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. Now I have to confess with you, I, I fought this one for hours. And I don't know if I I don't know if I've wrapped my head around it yet. Why an abundantly ministered entrance? An entrance, I understand. But Peter thought it necessary to describe it as an abundantly ministered entrance into the everlasting kingdom. Have you ever been in a situation where you, the potential for bodily injury was very great. Perhaps you were not injured. Hopefully you were not injured. Maybe if you were injured, you were only slightly injured. Maybe if you're younger, you fell out of a tree, fell off the slide or the teeter-totter. Uh, maybe you fell off. Maybe you got bucked off a horse. Maybe you were in a car wreck. Maybe you were in a, a house fire. Some situation where your life was in danger or serious injury could occur to you, but it didn't. If, it did, if that situation has ever happened to you, do you remember how you felt? It wasn't a thrilling experience, was it? You weren't even happy that you escaped without injury. Maybe you had nightmares. Maybe you were haunted about what could have happened. More, more than likely, that's what happened. You escaped, but you felt like maybe you didn't earn that escape. You felt like maybe something should have happened. Maybe you should have been injured. And it haunts you over and over. The abundant entrance to the heavenly kingdom will not be like that. When you realize that you've had that entrance handed to you abundantly, as I've heard people say before, the door is going to be open wide. You're going to be able to walk through that door. You're going to be able to know that you belong there. You're going to know that you've escaped the pollutions of the world. And now you're at your home in heaven. 
That's an abundant entrance. It's not just to think, well, I, I just barely escaped. Maybe we did barely escape. Probably we did. But that's not the feeling we'll have. The feeling we'll have will be an abundant entrance. Peter says that that's something that, that we get, gain when we add these, these Christian characteristics. <clears throat> By possessing the eight characteristics we've talked about this morning, we'll be able to live a successful life, a successful Christian life, and to be joyful and awaiting our heavenly home. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love is appearing. I don't know about you, but that's the feeling I want. That's how I want to feel. I want to feel like Paul felt. And the reasons that Peter gives for being diligent and in growing and increasing in these Christian characteristics, the reasons he gives for that should motivate us to be diligent. He says, failure to grow in knowledge of Jesus results in spiritual blindness and memory loss. You can't see the way. And you've forgotten that you were purged from your old sin. He says, if you grow in knowledge of Jesus, you'll never fall. You'll never stumble. How great a blessing is that? He says, if you grow in knowledge of Jesus, an entrance into the everlasting kingdom will be abundantly made for you. So I ask you this morning, are you giving all diligence to make your calling and election sure? Are you giving the effort to increase in the Christian characteristics that we've studied this morning? Or have you forgotten that you were purged from your old sins? If you're apathetic and your desire to grow, you've forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. If you have forgotten, you need to change direction today. You don't need to put it off any longer. Are you growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord? Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.